What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to go over some of the things that are currently happening around the NFL, basically give my take on them and and just have a little discussion here. So number one, and the thing I'm most excited about is the Patriots are giving Cam Newton a second uh, well, a second contract for another one-year deal, but this one is a, is actually for respectable money. It's it's allegedly, you know, I have to say allegedly right now because a lot of times with these contracts, we don't know what's really going on until we see the actual the actual details of the deal. But it's being reported as a one-year, fourteen million dollar contract. I would bet, and I would I would bet a, a hefty amount that this contract is going to also have some type of incentives built into it to where like, you know, if Cam, if, if they sign guys like Allen Robinson or, you know, if they, I mean, I'm Allen Robinson's on the franchise tag, but the point is if they, if they bring some receivers around them and they actually put a respectable supporting cast there, it wouldn't surprise me if Cam throws 30 touchdowns this year. It, it really wouldn't. And in that case, maybe there will be some incentive, maybe even if it's just if you make the playoffs. But I think something maybe to push it up to 20 million and unlikely to be earned and maybe a little bit likely to be earned. But I think even if it was all unlikely to be earned, meaning it would be more difficult incentive uh, incentives to reach, I think that would make sense for, for Cam and for the Patriots. But even if it's just one year, 14 million, I'm very happy that this is being done. And the reason is because, guys, most of you, most of the public thought that Tom Brady was washed up and could not play football anymore after the 2019 season. They He goes out and throw, scores 50 touchdowns in 2020 and wins the Super Bowl because he had a great supporting cast. Like quarterback, whether you like it or not, is a dependent position. You know, you cannot just put junk, especially in the NFL. You can't just put junk around these guys and expect them to, you know, perform at a high level. Now, is Cam Newton as good as he was in 2015? I don't think so. I I think that Cam has lost some arm strength because of that shoulder surgery and there's those injuries to his throwing shoulder and just wear and tear in addition to that. But I think that Cam, you know, has certainly lost a little bit of arm strength, but I definitely still think he can be successful as an NFL quarterback. And I think that if you put him in the right situation, meaning you put a a couple of decent receivers around him in addition to a good offensive line, which they officially do have, then I think Cam Newton can have a lot of success. If they, if their defense gets back to playing at that, you know, elite level that it did in 2020, I think Cam Newton can win a Super Bowl right now, just to be, you know, just to be honest. So that's my thoughts on that. And, uh, you know, this makes me also really like the, um, the fact that they signed that, that they traded for Trent Brown, because that was my first thought when they traded for Trent Brown. Really, it was like, oh man, could you imagine Cam Newton behind that offensive, like big Trent Brown, and you know the rest of the guys up front there? That that's that's exciting, right? So now you got three hundred and fifty pound Trent Brown um, manning one of the tackle positions. We'll, we'll know that later. I think it's going to be left tackle because that's what he played there previously. Um, but this also does not mean that New England cannot or will not draft a quarterback early. Like if they if they're sitting there wherever they pick in the first round, or if they see a guy falling, like you know miracles happen. What if Trey Lance falls to pick twelve or something, and, and they can I don't even know maybe they are picking twelve. But my point is, if he gets within striking range and they love him like I love him, I would absolutely trade up for him. Right? There's no reason to to pass on a guy. If you get, if you can get your quarterback that you like draft them, you know, even if it's a second round, there's no reason in my opinion, not to draft someone like Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond in round two. If, if they're available when you're on the clock, 
take him. You know what I mean? And, and Cam Newton, the thing that most people don't understand about Cam Newton is as competitive as he is, he's also the ultimate team player. So he will sit there and help those guys, right? You know, people aren't going to say this, but Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen sat behind Cam Newton for multiple years, and I guarantee you they would tell you that he was a great benefit to them from that standpoint. Like, did he compete with them? Of course, I'm sure he did, just like anybody would and should. But I guarantee you that being the older statesman in that quarterback room, Cam Newton also mentored those young men, and Cam Newton does not get enough uh, um praise for his football intelligence either, in my opinion. So my biggest question for the Patriots now is, are you going to add some weapons? Because you have some cap room. I think they have like the third most cap space in the NFL, you know, and even after these, they're not, they're still going to have cap space. So it's like, can you add some weapons around Cam Newton, please? And also this is not the end of the world for either side. Like if, if the Patriots decide after this season, hey, <clears throat> we want Cam long term, you know, we want to sign him to a five year contract. They can do that. But I think this is the most economical way of going about it, because obviously you have certain advantages, right? When you when you sign a guy to a five year deal and you give him a big old signing bonus, and you can spread that around the life of the deal. That's obviously advantageous to your salary cap. But What's also advantageous is getting Cam Newton to count for $14 million for one more year just to see what you got and have give him a better chance of success in terms of what's around him and then extend him. You know, they can extend him right after the season or during the season for that matter if, if it comes down to like, hey, you know, he's awesome. We want to keep him. You know, let's give him $100 million. That can still happen, right? I mean, again, you guys are going to tell me that Cam's washed up, and I'm going to tell you that you thought Brady was washed up two years ago, and he went down and went scored 50 touchdowns and won the Super Bowl. So, you know, we can have that conversation if you want, but I think I'll win the argument. <laughs> um, all right, and then also don't forget, the Patriots get all those opt-outs back. Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon, Brandon Bolden, and then uh, Marquise Lee. So their receiving core already got better, right? I mean, that's, you know, not that Marquise Lee's a world beater, but still, it's just, it's another able body there. So that's, that definitely matters. All right. Let's talk about some Buffalo Bills stuff, shall we? So the Buffalo Bills yesterday, they re-signed Matt Milano, their stud linebacker, to a deal that was way less in terms of average annual salary than I projected for him. I think at some point I projected his deal and I thought it would be I think I said 14, 15 million, somewhere in that range, right? Somewhere in the, around the Zach Cunningham um, average annual salary. But boy, was I wrong. And the reason I was wrong, and I'm pretty convinced of this, is because Matt Milano went back to Buffalo. And the reason I say that is because what Buffalo has done, right? And so, I mean, they've also re-signed Daryl Williams. We're going to talk about him as well. But they've re- they, they have built such a good culture there that these guys – now that they know especially that they that they have a real chance at winning a Super Bowl, they're more than willing to stay there. They want to stay there so bad that they're literally leaving millions of dollars on the table, right? Like if Matt Milano hits an open market right now, he's going to sign a three-year, $45 million deal, in my opinion, at worst. Like he's going to get that. You know what I mean? And he signed a four-year, $44 million deal with the Bills yesterday. So obviously it wasn't purely financially based it was it's nice for him to probably have some financial security but he was going to get that again regardless it was just he was going to have to most likely go to a bad team because typically what we see are the teams that that spend the most money in free agency are bad teams and when i say most money i don't mean raw most money i mean money on elite 
you know, players. They pay them to make them the most highest paid linebacker in NFL history. That kind of stuff typically happens with bad organizations or teams that are we're losing, right? And they're trying to they're trying to win, but the problem is they have to pay people more than what they should probably be paid to come to their losing team, right? So Matt Milano could have likely found a lose. Like look at CJ Mosley, for example, right? He could have stayed in Baltimore and, and taken less money, I'm sure. If he would have taken something like Matt Milano has agreed to take there in, in Buffalo, that would have happened. So what what I want to get at with Buffalo is the culture and the like brotherhood that they have built there and that Sean McDermott brought there from Carolina with them and Brandon Bean as well, that really shows you how important culture is because not look, Matt Milano just became the 11th highest paid linebacker in the NFL. And when you're a young guy with that kind of upside to, to sign a deal that makes you the 11th paid, that shows you that he, it wasn't about the money, right? He could have easily been the fourth or fifth highest paid linebacker in football. When you look at Daryl Williams, Three years, 28.2 million, 14 guaranteed. Milano got 24 guaranteed, by the way. Daryl Williams just became the eighth highest paid right tackle in all of football. The eighth highest paid right tackle, not tackle in general, right tackle, right? So that's very important. It's a very important distinction there. And how did they do this, right? They didn't have any cap space, you might be thinking. Well, they got Mario Addison to take a pay cut, Vernon Butler to take a pay cut, and Mitch Morse to take a pay cut. They released Quentin Jefferson, the former Seahawk, and they also released John Brown. Now, my suspicion is that they asked, at least asked John Brown to take a pay cut, maybe. Uh, um, you know, I think he was already at a pretty reasonable salary, so maybe they just outright cut him. And I don't mean this to sound like I'm taking a shot at John Brown for not accepting the pay cut or even Quentin Jefferson for that matter. But the point I'm making is, these guys, when you have three guys, I told you guys a few weeks ago, we were going to see a lot of teams start asking players to take pay cuts, right? Because the ultimatum that they're going to put on the table for them is, hey, would you take a pay cut and maybe have a chance to earn it back with incentives or we're going to have to release you? You know, it's, it's an ultimatum. It's not it's not nice, you know, but it's it's something that's necessary, especially in an offseason that we see a $25 million cap restriction in terms of what it would have been, right? So... Buffalo, because of that strong culture and because Josh Allen really burst onto the scene, showed everybody that they are legit Super Bowl contenders and not just a good playoff team, not just that wild card team, but a legitimate, like we have a chance to do the whole damn thing. These guys are willing to take less money to get here and um, to stay in Buffalo and try and try and make something special happen. So Mario Addison, in my opinion, is one of the better, the most, not, not one of the better edge rushers in football, but he's definitely one of the more underappreciated guys. Like he is not a guy that you think about when when you talk about like the greatest player in the NFL at that position. But what he is, is somebody that has quietly gotten 10 or close to 10 sacks in each year over the last half decade or so. So like he's a solid football player and he's good against the run. And he's, and he's a great locker room guy. You know, so um, Buffalo, you guys are doing things the right way there. And that's why people want to stay. So shout out to Buffalo. Trey Turner was released. That just a few minutes ago, former, I think he was a former all pro, but definitely a pro bowler, multi-time pro bowler, still only 27 years old. And the funny thing there is Trey Turner's released, right? But they traded for him last year from Carolina. They traded their starting left tackle, who's also now a free agent um, in Russell Okung. So I guess the thought process behind that was we'll check out Trey Turner for a year. And again, the advantage when you don't when you trade for a guy like 
like the Chargers did last year, they didn't have to pay that signing bonus to Trey Turner. So when they release him, they get the complete cap savings, zero dead money on that contract. So he's released, and a 27-year-old stud lineman hits the market. So I expect um, I expect him to have a decent market. I think that no one wanted to pay the 11.5 and give compensation, the 11.5 million that he was due this year. So I think that's kind of the reason why they couldn't get anything for him in a trade. And uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. But I like Trey. I still think he's a solid football player, and I'd like to have him back in Carolina if he feels like if he feels like coming home. Um, Tom Brady signs an extension. So this is awesome, right? The voided years is something that you know you don't see used a whole lot, but I think that just by necessity, we're going to see that used more so this year than in in years past. And and the reason why. It's important is because you can take signing bonus, right? And let's say it's a hundred, let's say it's a fifty million dollar signing bonus over over five years. Well, instead of prorating that fifty million over five years, which would be ten million dollars a year, you can add a couple of voided years on it. And what that means is that you're just you're just saying the contract voids, um, you know, if the player turns thirty one years old. Or whatever, and you know that mathematically he's going to turn that age, right? So it voids, so it's essentially a three-year deal, or I mean a five-year deal, but it's actually now a seven-year deal technically, right? And that allows you to spread that signing bonus out. Well, you would have to do under, or no, yeah, you you would be able to spread spread that out over. No, you wouldn't. Sorry, if it were a three-year deal and you added two voided years, then you could spread that over five years as opposed to three. But basically. You can only spread signing bonus out for five years, but in that case, it could it could be a three year deal, and you could spread the bonus out, you know, an additional two to make it five. So I think that's what they did essentially with Brady. They added two voided year deals to the end of his contract, and now they have him under contract through twenty one and through two thousand twenty two as well. So it saves Tampa Bay a whopping nineteen million dollars against this year's salary cap because if you remember. Brady signed a two-year, $50 million deal this time last year with Tampa. And so all of the remaining amount of his money was just sitting in a big pile for the 2021 salary cap. So this move, being able to spread that money out over four years is a much bigger, you know, win for Tampa. And it, you know, Tom Brady is just always willing to do shit like this. And I'm, you know, he obviously is very well paid and, and he doesn't need any money. The guy's been playing for literally two decades plus. So it's not like that. But when you look at it, man, um, Tampa might be able to get Shaq Barrett done. I expect that they're really, I suspect that they're really working hard on a Shaq Barrett contract extension right about now. If they can get him done, that means they would have retained Levante David, or Levante David, sorry, extended Tom Brady for an additional year, um, extended, uh, I mean, uh, franchise tag Chris Godwin, and they can get Shaq Barrett done. That that would be unbelievable. So that would be essentially the exact same team. Oh, and by the way, they still have to get Gronk done. So I think at this point, they may just be prepared to let Shaq Barrett walk, as, as uh, shitty as that might sound. But if they do that, if I were them, I'd be looking very hard at some potential edge rushers that I can trade for so I get my compensatory pick for Shaq and I trade for a guy. Maybe you find a guy that's got one or two years left on his rookie contract that's not happy with his current team, something like that. Maybe you take it, you know, you take a little flyer on a cheaper, low ups or low risk, high upside guy like Olivier Vernon, even if he's not ready to play till week four or five, because he's coming off that Achilles late in the playoff game last year. 
that's fine. But you, you're going to have to try and look for some cheaper replacements because I know you're going to pay Gronk because Brady's going to make you pay Gronk, and um, you know it's you, you're going to have to you're going to have to replace Shaq Barrett if you can't get him re-signed. But I'm interested to see what's going on there in Tampa. Nineteen million dollars saved on against the salary cap is a chunk of change now. So. That is very interesting, and it only means they have Tom Brady for longer. But also, regarding the voided years, the downside of that is that you have dead money you know, that you're pushing off to different years. So if you do that too many times, right, you're going to have dead money every year in the multiple millions per season, and you don't want that. Okay, so now I think dead money, generally speaking, is a little bit overrated because people are like, oh, my God. You know, it's, like, it's like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But – but you can't do that too much, right? It's just like anything with you have to have the right balance on it. Like if you do it with Tom Brady, okay, cool. Maybe you do it with one more guy for, you know, whatever, a couple more years. But you don't want to do it. You don't want to purposely do it too much because then when you have to release other guys, then it starts to really add up and it can put you in a weird spot for, you know, for uh, some time. But like if you look at Buffalo, they did that. They went through that phase there in Buffalo where they took a bunch of dead money hit against Sammy Watkins release. They, you know, certain guys like that where they were just kind of cleaning house and kind of establishing that culture there. And then they have very little dead money since then. But, you know, it's it's not something that you want to do necessarily, but it's definitely necessary in this economy as they say with the um you know 25 million dollar swing on the on the salary cap so that's obviously a big deal and um last thing i want to talk about is robert alford was released by the arizona cardinals and then was re-signed so you're going to see this happen a couple more times this offseason because when guys like this basically what happened in all likelihood is kewan short might be doing this with carolina as well because carolina released short and he's either going to go to a, a championship contender for a reasonable amount of money, or maybe if he goes out there and he realizes, hey, the market's not all that great. I figured I'd be worth eight or nine million, but I'm only worth five or six. You know what? Maybe I'll just stay here in Carolina. They said they'd pay me five or six or whatever it is. So that is kind of something that you'll see. That's what you saw with Robert Alford. And, and Robert Alford can't be mad at Arizona. He's been injured the last two years. So for him to to take a you know, to be released and then accept a one-year deal pretty much immediately from Arizona, That's um, that just shows that he's like, you know what, you're right, I'll I'll kind of earn my stripes because I've made $15 million over the last two years and haven't been able to give you guys much of anything on the football field. So you'll see that more and more. Kawan Short is a candidate for that. And really anybody that you – if you just go look at each team's roster, right, or look at your team, and anybody that, that has a high base salary, right, with, with – you know, not a big signing bonus proration. And if that guy looking at your team, if that guy didn't have a phenomenal year or a good year in 2020, there's a decent chance that that guy could be released and also could still resign for a lesser amount. Because let's just give the example of, I'm not sure the exact the exact math on Robert Alford's deal, but let's just say he had a $10 million base salary in 2021 and a $2 million uh, signing bonus proration. So they release and they'd save $8 million, right? But then they could go back to Robert and say, hey, man, I'll give you $2.5 if you want to come back. So they still save $5.5 million there. So there will be, certainly there will be more teams that that deploy that kind of uh, strategy with some players. And, and I think that a handful of times we'll see that before this process um, finishes up. And then also, as it pertains to free agency, you're going to start seeing more of these moves made by these teams because 
whatever whatever it is, whether it be reductions in pay, you know, uh, converting salary to signing bonus, and or just outright releasing or trading guys, you're going to see them that they, they have to kind of uh, get those guns cocked, so to speak, in terms of their salary cap space, so that when free agency starts, they can start shelling out that money and start competing in the marketplace for free agent players. Because when free agent starts, if if you don't have when free agency starts, if you don't have the money ready, you know, then you're one step behind another team in terms of uh, you know competing for a certain player. So that's something also to be considered. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. This is um this is almost more exciting than the football season. I know some people out there really do believe this is the more most exciting part of football season. It's just another reason why football is the best sport, in my opinion. Like the NFL is just like you don't have this kind of stuff in college football. You know, you don't. You don't get to experience the total business side of it. And then, the you know, everybody's waiting for Rappaport and Adam Schefter to, to tweet out what's going on. It's, it's pretty crazy. So I'm enjoying it. I'm going to keep trying to cover it as much as possible. And also, just so you guys know, my, my schedule, probably no podcast this weekend. Maybe, maybe not. But I just need to catch up on my film study. I'm going to try and watch a lot of guys this weekend so that on Monday I can deliver some more Uh, some more draft podcasts. So anyways, guys, that's the end of this one. And I will talk to you soon. Later.